an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. The Nazi V2 was a rocket-powered bomb traveling faster than the speed of sound. You couldn't hear it coming. A technological miracle, but a military and economic disaster for Nazi Germany. How did the V2 come into existence? And why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? Join me, Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, for my gripping mini-series on the V2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter. And guess what? The wait is finally over. Season 4 of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right, no co-host to rein me in, just me, myself, and the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to More To It, the show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. Start with headline news and then journey into deeper conversations. Always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm your host, Marcel Swally. That dude feeling amazing today because we have an amazing show. Yeah, I said it. All right, producer, shut it. All right, y'all know how we do it. We start off every show with... What's up with that dude? Well, no one on the corner got swagger like us. Yeah, got some of that new swag up in here. Some of that free 99. Uh, you can get your merch at BrinksTV.com. So I got this. Also, could check out MarcelsWallyShop.com. But this is BrinksTV.com. I love this right here. So I'm feeling like the first day of school out here. When I used to have my silk shirt, my cross cords and my Cortezes, I wasn't even banging. That just was the look in there, like how to survive in South Central. I am going back to that energy today, feeling great. Hopefully, you guys support and get your merch as well. Uh, what happened yesterday? Um, after the show, I got contacted about doing another show from a major brand that wants to amplify their message using my vocals and intellect. I was like, oh, that sounds great. You know, that's how you get the call. You know, we're just checking your interest. And I said, like, oh, yeah, I'm interested. I'm checking how much principal and interest I'm going to get from it. What's, you know, where the money at? Money talks. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll circle back and have your representatives talk to ours. Ah, here we go. That sounds like commas to me, but we'll see what they're talking about. Other than that, uh, my phone was blowing up yesterday. There are a lot of reports out there about my family, my wife, me. Oh. Oh, I cannot uh, support, I can't deny, and I also can't accept any of those rumors. I just sit here and just talk to you guys about sports and anything that intersects sports in life. So I don't know what they're talking about. All right, so after that, uh, my wife was out last night. She must got a boyfriend. I don't know. She just hitting them streets. And I'm like, go ahead, because as long as snowfall is on, I'm good. <laughs> I was good last night watching snowfall. But I notice when she's gone, I emotionally eat. Y'all do that too? 
Like you try to play it off, but you're like, yo, I was good too, having taco salads. Didn't even have the tortilla. I was just taco salads all day. Good. My wife dipped. She was out. Next thing I know, I got this chips medley, potato chip medley bowl going. I got Funyuns in there. I got Cheeto Puffs. I got the hard, crunchy Cheetos. And I was just banging them out watching Snowfall. Didn't even finish. Got to like the last 10 minutes and passed out. So no spoilers right there. All right, after that, um, shoot, man. I woke up this morning. I had to take the kids. We still got the germ factory around here. So all is good. Keep us in your thoughts and prayers. That said, let's get into the show, man. Let's talk about this topic and burner accounts. Ooh, this is going to get interesting. NBA fans are clowning guard RJ Hampton for admitting to having multiple burner accounts to defend against online trolls. Detroit Piston apparently doesn't want to reply to followers under his own personal accounts. I get it. As we all know, with the cesspool that's social media, a lot of players' performances get criticized heavily, and some guys just want to respond to them, like a Kevin Durant in anonymity. All right. I nailed that word too. I was kind of nervous for that. All right, those trolls are now coming out to mock Hampton further following his latest comments. So after he made those comments, they try to clown him. But first, let's hear what he said. I don't care. Who else is going to defend me if I don't defend myself? Yeah. He's like, I'm going to represent myself, damn it. All right, he owns some of that Lamar Jackson right there. Hampton says he has accounts for Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok. A TikTok fake account? Damn. He's leaving no stone unturned when it comes to his online presence. Fans were quick to respond. Here y'all go. The reason he got these damn burner accounts is for exact reasons that I'm about to go and quote. Bro is a professional basketball player and trolls part-time. That's cold. Then they get worse. Dude has more social media accounts than minutes he gets a night. Y'all ain't right. The hunt is on now for fans. They're trying to figure out where are these dummy accounts, these burner accounts, of course. They're like, why do we even talk about a guy who has a burner account when he's averaging just six points and 15 minutes a game? So some fans said, ain't nobody dissing you, little bro. We don't even know you. <sighs> who even talks about him is another one. So they're suggesting that RJ um, go hop on one of those burners and come back at y'all for clowning him. It made me think about my experience and burner accounts because I had no problem when Kevin Durant came out and said, yeah, I got a burner account. And he basically said it for the same reason. And I have a YouTube burner account that I started maybe five years ago or so. Now, I wasn't on YouTube or anything, but there were so many juicy topics. And I was like, damn, I got to get one of these shots off. But I couldn't do it on my platform. Why? because I was working for the machine, right? I had that big job. I had them commas. I had that platform. And some of this subject matter, woo, at the time, I knew I couldn't go there. But I think that was the first seed planted in my head, like, yo, these topics are more interesting than ones I'm doing. So I got me a burner account. And I really didn't start off with it being a burner account. It was for this company that I was doing some work with, and they didn't say my name on it. So then I start commenting on posts that I would see, and next thing I knew, I was like, yo, they don't even know this is me. And I just ran with it. So then I knew it was a burner account. But at first, it was just me doing it under an anonymous name. I had fun doing it. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't got rid of the account yet. I don't use it that much. But y'all come in my head and see what happens. Y'all gonna see somebody defending me. And it's gonna be me with my burner ass. All right. So I had that. I have multiple accounts on IG, but I don't use them to defend myself at all. But... I was also the guy when I was dating that never had two phones. Y'all know that dude? I hate that dude, man. I had so many teammates 
I call him, and he like, he in the car, he like, hey, dog, he looking for all the phones. I'm like, dog, who calling you? Or I called you, and you got five phones. He's like, yeah, man, this is for the family. This is for the friends. This is for the close family. I was like, what? He's like, this is for them, you know, the ladies, and this is for a wife. I was like, dog, you doing too much. But in all seriousness, guys will always have multiple phones, one for their real life and one for their persona life. And I was like, dog. I'm straightforward with everybody. If I don't want to talk to you, two things going to happen. I ain't going to pick up the phone or I'm going to pick up the phone and I'll be like, yeah, what you need? That's it. Okay. Text me next time. Peace. Like, that's it. I don't understand this whole bringing more drama to yourself just because of that. So y'all have burner accounts out there. I know y'all do. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to have a platform to have a burner account. Obviously, you can just be somebody like, yo, I got my job. I got my life. I got my real then I also got this other side of me, you know, that yin yang, that other side of you, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, the other side that want to go blast on people. Do you guys have multiple burner accounts? Interested in this topic because y'all shooting that RJ Hampton a little too tough. If I was little bro, I'd be like, dog, yeah, I don't get a lot of minutes. Man, I don't score a lot of points. But you know, when I go to the bank, they smile. You got to just know where to get your wins and you ain't going to get them on social media all the time. About to take a trip to Texas. Yes, and to church. We're going to TCU, Texas Christian University, where, wow, whoo! I don't know how Christ-like this conversation is, but we have a conversation scrolling through social media, not scared, like my man RJ is, and I come across Aaron Hodges. Who is he? He's not the head coach. Woo! Wasn't Sonny Dykes saying this? You imagine? I was like, good Lord, Sonny Dykes. What kind of recruits you want? Uh, Aaron Hodges, who is a cornerbacks coach, cornerbacks, you know, backpedal, break on the ball, break on the ball, and recruiting coordinator. Recruiting coordinators at every school are the ones who keep it real. They're the ones who's on the phones. They're the ones that's homies with every player, even the one that is not going to start this year, even though you told them that during the recruiting. So he's the cool guy usually on the squad. Well, he had a video on his social media that I want to play for you guys, and then let's discuss it right now. Let's finish on this. Consent. Remember we went over consent? Deserves it. Good. You're with a young lady. She has to consent to every act. So if you were in the car with her and something went down in the car, that does not mean that something has to go down at the apartment. If y'all did something in the car, that does not mean something else has to happen. That next day, you cannot assume that it is okay to send a dick or something like that. If you're in study hall and a trackster walks by you and she's got tights on and she's going to study, you can can say, look at that fat That's harassment. She has every right to turn around and press charge against you. If you're not quite sure what the fuck to say, picture it being your little sister or your mother, and then shut what you call the fuck up. Are we fucking clear? Yes, sir. Wow. <laughs> Did y'all see that video? Woo! That's something you say after you got the recruit, right? That's something you say in the huddle, right? In the facilities. You imagine going to mama and daddy's house and even trying to suggest any of these things are going to be the issues that your son faces when they go off to school. But thank you, Aaron Hodges, for real. 
because these are real issues and they're changing times, right? The, the punishment, the line between consent and not consent has moved since I was in college. Let's talk about that being in a different era in terms of dating. I guess there were like dating apps when I grew up and was in college, but let's just say less than 1% were using them. We all did the same thing. We went to the local bar. We went to Coronet's Pizza Shop, got the big fat slice for a dollar and a quarter. Thank God the Citibank will allow us to withdraw $10. They knew we were broke, right? Only place I've ever seen in this world where you didn't have the $20 minimum, $10 minimum. Do that, go to the Plex, go to the local FBH, go to West End, wherever we went. We were all there for two reasons to drink a little, to play it off so we could talk to girls. And really the end game was just talking to girls. So if you didn't drink or you had a game coming up, whatever it may be, you didn't even have to drink. You just were there to talk to the opposite sex. And back then it was crazy because Columbia, the first thing they did tell me when they came to recruit me was that our dorms were co-ed. And my parents was like, oh, interesting. And I was sitting there like jackpot. Oh my God, co-ed dorms, it's a wrap. All right, no, I'm gonna go crazy when I go to school and on campus because now I don't have to worry about my mama and daddy telling me, get up, get out, go somewhere, no alarm clock. On top of that, I got my room. I had a roommate, but that was the only year I had a roommate. Got my own room, it felt like, oh, I was about to act up and date. I was gonna hang and kick it. I get to Columbia, and this is an interesting social experiment. Thinking that it's co-ed dorms. That means shower where the women shower. You could be in the shower right next to you, another woman. What? Naked? Coming out the shower? Oh, I'm thinking this. You know what happened when I got to Columbia? I actually did less. It literally, I, in terms of genders, it's not humanizing it, but it made me respect across the fence the other gender much more than I did before that. And I guess what the experiment was about was to make sure that we respected each other because we lived together. I didn't see that coming. I thought I literally would just come out the showers and say, you want to go back in girl? And that was going to be it. It never happened. Matter of fact, I always went outside elsewhere just because I was so cool and close with everyone who lived there. That was one thing that I learned. Now you fast forward to where these kids are today. Every moment of intimacy, has to be clear and concise consent every moment. Whereas before when I grew up, it wasn't like that. No lie, dog. No lie. It used to be a time where you could play hard to get her or you, but usually her playing hard to get like you see her out. Oh girl, I saw you coming out the shower. What's up? You know, I saw you on campus. What's up? She, oh, Marcellus, please. And you could press and keep pressing. Marcellus, leave me alone. Keep pressing. And then literally it happened for me a lot. That same girl who was like, man, move, was the same girl you were messing around with, right? So you were like, oh, I'm playing hard to get. And she actually was playing the game with you. It was like this little song and dance. Can't do that anymore. Why? Because that could be sexual harassment. We all seen the Michael Irvin video. We don't know the audio, but in terms of the physical body language, that is now something someone could press charges on you about. Not when I grew up, not when I was in college. You kept talking, kept macking until you got what you wanted or she made it very clear. I mean, adamant, no sir. You know what else is different? It has to be easy in terms of moments of intimacy. Consensual and easy. None of this like, 
oh, I thought she said, and oh, you know, after a few hours and we just kept trying. It has to be simple and easy or it's going to be hard times going forward, right? Easy to get in terms of your intimacy or it's going to be hard times going forward. No more of this sending signals and, oh, you didn't catch my hint? No, everything, you, you can't say when you're with a young lady, oh man, she, I mean, look coach, she was acting like, or look officer, she was acting like, he's like, did you ask? Because obviously she was acting. She wasn't for real with that because she is now pressing charges. She is now saying something happened. These are all the things that were explained in that video plus some. You know, and I've been in a situation before. It's funny because I've been lied on major ways and I've been lied on in some little laughable, simple stuff, right? I've been lied on when my boy said, dog, Marcellus, let me in your party. I was like, dog, what party? I'm at home. What you talking about? It's like this, they said it's your party. Someone lied to him. Also been lied on before when a young lady that I was a little interested in when I was single, but then I got a girlfriend that she kind of knew. Y'all catching this? All of a sudden, she went back and said, we messed around when we didn't because she wanted to break me and the girl up who was her homegirl, kind of. I was like, this girl lying like we messed around. First of all, at that time in my life, I should be the one lying on after I messed with somebody, but she was doing the lying just to break me up, to get me back into the streets, to hopefully holler back at me. Crazy dynamics, man. But all I want you guys to understand is they are moving all the time. This is a different era. There has to be different conversations. And as much as this doesn't sound romantic or intimate, they need to be direct, consensual, and simple. Man, Asante Samuel out there taking them shots at Bill Belichick, and he sent a warning shot to Lamar Jackson. Woo, what is Mr. Pick Six really meaning? Because we're going to find out what he's saying. All right, so Asante implores Lamar Jackson to not play for Bill Belichick. We know who he is, retired cornerback. Not only retired cornerback, a great cornerback who got some good bloodlines, I guess, because now his son is actually in NFL playing for my Chargers. Respect to that lineage right there. But he's also giving out unsolicited advice uh, to current NFL players like a Lamar Jackson. He's reacting to, obviously, the news that Lamar Jackson had interest through Meek Mill to Robert Kraft about playing with the Patriots. So he says, quote, Lamar Jackson, my brother, trust me, you don't want to play for Belichick. Wow. Mm, let's get into that a little bit later. Quite clear that Samuel still harbors some resentment uh, towards Belichick. He played for him 2003 through 2007 and also got a couple rings out of that. Y'all know it, right? So some of the other comments over the years have been, quote, just another coach in referring to Bill Belichick. Also talked about Bill Belichick. Why Tom Brady left is because, quote, probably got tired having Belichick as his head coach. Okay. And then this is an interesting one he dropped on Belichick as well. Fun fact, I made Belichick understand the cornerback position better and how to make plays in any coverage. He never agreed with the way I play, but now he teaches it. Oh my goodness. Oh, they got a little beef. Now, people are saying that the beef really goes back to money, which most beefs do. Either money or what's her name, right? How much or what's her name as a woman or money usually beasts with dudes. All right, here we go. Yet with Samuel making millions of dollars from the Eagles and Falcons final six years of his career afterwards, you would think he would let this go, but 
He was a little upset when he played for the Patriots and get all the dough he felt he deserved. So now we're what, what, 15 years plus later, we're still going at it. My first question to you guys is, is this fair or is this foul to use your sour experience, your sour experience to suggest that somebody else's experience won't be sweeter? You get what I'm saying here? Because we are all guilty of this one. Like you went through it, man, forget them fools, forget them fools. But was that just your situation or was that that entity? And no matter who goes through that situation, it's going to be bad, right? Look, it ended wrong for me with the Chargers, even though I was like, damn, I thought I was going to continue to play there. But it ended bad for me. I didn't hold a grudge because guess what? It was great to LT. And it was so-so to Drew Brees, right? And it was amazing to Phillip Rivers. And it was great to the end to Rodney Harrison and Junior Say. Like, everybody got their way. So to you, sit back and say, that, them, eh, I'm not really in favor of that because that was for you, not for y'all, not for everyone else. But let's talk about what he's really trying to say. He really trying to say, like, look, Bill Belichick ain't all that for many a reasons, and I can name them, but here we go. One, Lamar Jackson. Who is Bill Belichick with Tom Brady and without Tom Brady, which is the natural conversation? Y'all know me. I'm not a fan of this. I'm not a fan of who was Jordan without Pippen? Who was Jordan without Phil, Phil Jackson? Like, I'm not a fan of that. But this conversation brings me there, so let's talk about it. Bill Belichick has 298 wins, 152 losses, and six Super Bowls, right? We're not going to count the two as a defensive coordinator. When he was the best defensive coordinator of all time, let me just tell you all that. Woo! He was silly. Um, Brady has 219 wins, 64 losses, and New England six rings, and then another one in Tampa, right? So he got another one. All right. Y'all understand. (laughs) Let's talk about Bill Belichick without Brady. This is going to hit you in the face if you don't already know. 79 wins. Hit him with that, that nice little Denzel training, training day clap. The James Worthy clap. Oh, but 88 losses. Under 500 without Tom Brady, including Donut. I'm talking about Krispy Kreme. Hot light on. Zero rings. Wow. Not fair, but hey, for the argument. So why should Lamar Jackson actually want to go to New England? Let's talk about it. Well, say what you want about Belichick. He helped create the GOAT. The GOAT. The greatest of all time. Tom Brady. And that's the same position you play, Lamar Jackson. So you can listen to everybody who's disgruntled, mad, doesn't like Belichick, whatever. Was it a coincidence that Brady became the GOAT? Or was it causality? Like, yo. Get under Belichick. If you got the talent, you qualify. I can make you something, right? Make something out of you. So that's interesting. And he created not one, but really two dynasties. Like Bill Belichick, <laughs> the early, mid-2000s, and then he went back, Brady again, well, like two, the teens, and they did it again. I was like, that's two dynasties in one or one big, long, two-decade-long dynasty. Bill Belichick did that. All right. Now, why shouldn't Lamar Jackson go with the Patriots and Bill Belichick? Well, what, they 25 and 25 in their last 50, 500 team. Uh, The GOAT left because they didn't have sufficient talent to win it all. And let's be real, they still don't, really. (laughs) Like, how much has changed since Tom Brady left? That's one point. Who is Belichick lately, which we discussed, and 
What is Belichick's resume without Brady, which we discussed? Like, those things are real. So it's interesting if you're Lamar Jackson with your talent, your skill set. Then you can look at Cam Newton kind of low on the side and say, eh. I mean, Cam Newton got there late, obviously, hit the ground running, and then caught COVID and was never the same, but didn't have the full offseason to prepare. But if I'm Lamar Jackson, that style's a little more similar to me than Tom Brady. What would you use as comps? Bill Belichick's greatness, Tom Brady and his success under Bill Belichick, the Patriots and his dynasty, Cam Newton and his issues with a similar style to a degree. What to do if you're Lamar Jackson? I don't know. Sounds like now you ain't even got to hit Meek Mill up. Hit Asante up. Let those two go at it and pick your poison because it looks like right now, wherever you go, you don't even know and we don't either. Oh, let's talk about this right now. Was veteran NFL reporter Jim Trotter, his contract not renewed because of him questioning the commissioner, Roger Goodell. All right. So these comments come after the fallout from Trotter's announcement that the NFL network refused to offer him a new deal. Trotter and Goodell responded. Let's get to Trotter first. Quote, they made a decision that they didn't want to renew my contract. But the thing that I will say now is that journalism matters and holding people who are in power accountable matters. And that's part of our job, regardless of if it's our own employer or someone else, and which is really all I tried to do here. One of the things the NFL always said internally is hold us accountable. Hold us accountable as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Secondarily, we do not have a full-time black person on the news desk at NFL media. But to me, those are issues because when I think it's unfair to the players, they should have someone who shares either the same or similar life experiences and cultural experiences at the table when we talk about how we are going to cover them and the fact that we don't, to me, it's an issue. So I've raised that repeatedly over the last two years, including at the last two Super Bowls with the commissioner. And there are some who didn't like it, and I do believe it played a role in me, my contract, not being renewed. Hmm. All right, let's get to Goodell's response. Two different responses at two different times. Goodell says, quote, Jim, I am not in charge of the newsroom. He responded in February at the pre-Super Bowl press conference to that. Then on Tuesday at the owners meetings, he responded like this, quote, I wasn't part of that decision and actually was just made aware of it about 10 minutes before I walked in here. So no, I don't believe that had anything to do with it. Woo, there's so many levels of discussion right here. All right, full disclosure, Jim Trotter is not only a friend, but he used to cover me as a beat writer for the San Diego Chargers. We got so cool when I was down in San Diego that I was the team snitch. And I think every single team has one because I certainly was one on multiple teams. Uh, the team snitch is the guy who is going to protect the guilty. Like, I'm not going to out guys on my team if it's bad, but I'm going to tell you what's really going on in here. You guys will ever wonder, like, how do guys always find out these reporters what's going on in the locker room when they're only there for the first 10 minutes or the last 10 minutes after practice or after the guys shower? How do they know all these details? I used to be a team snitch, and I told my teammates too as well, but I was the team snitch. I was the one talking to Jim Trotter, letting him know everything. So therefore, one, he looks like, wow. I'm really covering the Chargers like next level. That's good for him and his promotional uh, opportunities going forward. And for me, I got it off my chest. And sometimes I used it, the court of public opinion, 
the fan base to my advantage. I was like, yo, they over here tripping. We need y'all to say something or to kick up some dust. So it was a mutual respect and relationship. And I'm not alone. All right. Got that out the way. Now, let's talk about what I took away from these comments. Uh, One, was he simply fired because he went at the commissioner? And I can respond to that with a story. My first job in traditional media was when the NFL Network first opened its doors. I think it was 2003. At the time, I was still playing for the Chargers, and I was a correspondent. So I'm an OG in this game for real, y'all. I ain't just old with the salt and pepper beard. I've really been in this game. Like I had a TV show in Buffalo, 1997, that I kept going. Then I got to San Diego. I was doing a lot of the best damn sports show, if y'all remember that. And then NFL Network was like, yo, we opening up our doors. And I was one of the correspondents, one of the original cast. But at the same time, I knew I wasn't a future Hall of Famer. So I knew that my prospects of staying there wasn't great. So from there, I went to ESPN, et cetera. But while I was there, I remember vividly one day, and at the time it wasn't Roger Goodell as the commissioner, it was, yeah, Paul Tagliabue, remember? And I had some criticism of him just because I think he said something or did something. I was like, come on, y'all. But I was doing it in the respect that I always do commentary. Like, my best friend is the truth, not you, and I'm not talking about you. I don't talk about the actor. I'm talking about the act. I saw I always am. That's why I could talk about my friends. That's why I could talk about people in the industry. That's why I could talk about athletes. I could talk about media. I talk about myself because I'm talking about the act, not the actor. So I was going to talk about the act of Tagliabue and I got that double tap. Y'all remember that double tap? I always tell y'all about that double tap, right? That double tap is, hey, bruh, I don't know about that. The Malika Andrews double tap when she hit, <laughs> she hit my man with it. She was like, uh, excuse me, I don't think you need to be doing that right now, right? So that's what I got. Like, I don't think you should go to air with that. And I've heard countless and countless other stories from people because say what you want, the NFL network is owned by the NFL. And the commissioner of the NFL wants to be at least perceived in a glowing light. So at least those minions or the employees underneath him should say positive things. That doesn't mean in absolutes it's always going to be that way, but they would like it that way. No unnecessary shots, right? Hmm. So was he fired for pressing the commissioner? Let's just say it didn't do him any favors. (laughs) You already know what that is. All right, number two, representation has to include, oh, Acumen and interest. I think a lot of times when we talk about representation, we just mean skin color or background. You can't be that simple with representation because I asked the question, if you're not from someone's background, right? Can you report on them and still represent? You know, like, can I report on a white player? Right? I'm not white. I'm not from that background. All right. Can I still properly report on them. I would say the answer is yes, right? So vice versa. But there's still a representation issue because there's no head of media at the NFL network, right? At the desk. But at the same time, as Trotter's point out, 60 to 70% of the players are people of color. All right. So we have something that's uneven right now. But it's not just an acumen conversation. It's a conversation of interest. Like, what are the numbers in terms of how many people really want that job and their backgrounds? I think we have to go into some deeper data, 
but it's just safe to say somebody black wants the job, damn it. But is it the same amount in quantity, same in quality? How long is the line for the black person that wants that job versus the white person wants that job? All those things have to be considered. All right. So you can obviously report properly on something or someone you don't represent. But what level of representation actually suffices? This is one of the deeper discussions that people have about representation and some of the pushback. Um, when you talk about representation, you have to look at it from the perspective of the results will matter in terms of the equity and the equality. So we all can say hypothetically, let's start off with a level even playing field, but it's going to skew based on results, right? It's going to be skewed based on results. Not only do you qualify in terms of talent, but do you also have that excessive interest in it? That's going to be your passion to get you there. Yeah. And now you start looking at different industries. Where do you see the ones that Asians run or the ones that Indians run or the ones that blacks run or the ones that whites run? It's not just, oh, they're smarter or they're more talented. It's also they're more interested, right? And you've got to quantify interest in these conversations, which is very difficult to do. And lazily, a lot of times we report it without looking at that interest conversation. So practically, how do you do it? Here's the, here's the rub of it. Entities are sitting there saying, look, do you want us to have affirmative action or not? The pros and cons of affirmative action, obviously the pros are you're going to have people from diverse backgrounds get put into situations. Even sometimes, let's be real, if they don't qualify, right? All right. But here's the con. That entity is now sitting there saying, huh, we're dealing with a lot of pressure, unwanted pressure, enormous pressure, because one, all we did was pick the extremely gifted, the extremely talented from that underrepresented pool. You heard me? They picked the one percenters of that underrepresented pool. They're not going to the average. They're going to the top, top dogs, right? We got representation here now, but here's the problem. It comes with unmerited issues and a lot of times to these entities, litigation, because what happens? You pick the 1% and then they're at your entity. You got the 1% of the black people that you want to represent through affirmative action, whatever you want to call it. Something goes wrong with that black person litigation was it racism or was it really based on their merits was it really based on the work was it really based on what they actually did you say I have to fire you they say oh you only fire me because I'm black I'm Indian I'm Asian etc and so just letting y'all know because this show is about taking you behind the veil Nobody signs up for that. No entity signs up for if I bring you in here, but I want to let you go based on the merits. Potentially, you're going to sue us because you always have in your back pocket the race card. Ah, I said a lot there, but all I'm telling you right now is criticizing your boss is never going to do you well at work, <laughs> uh, but you got to have integrity. You got to be the guy who speaks from your own heart. You got to be your own version of yourself, right? Not the version that they want, but the version you desire to be in full expression. So without being their 
intimately in that moment. I do know from my experience, you better not talk about the commissioner because somebody in that room is telling you that's not good for your business, let alone our business. And more importantly, if the commissioner did have his hand in this, Roger Goodell, come on, man. Everybody knows that you run the NFL, even though you have all of the individual owners. You got to make sure that in moments like this of integrity, of moments that you're actually going out there and saying and preaching integrity, that you also show it in this respect. And that doesn't mean you got them fired, but you could have kept them higher. That's what I'm saying. All right. Now, y'all know how we finish every single show with a Wileyism. Wileyism. Oh, no frog. Yes, baby. Let me take a sip for that. Mm, mm, mm. Today's Wileyism is war can't be avoided. Just postponed. Oh, yes. <laughs> Got a problem with somebody? Get to it ASAP. Like, like T.I. said, ASAP, ASAP. Right then, get to them problems because war, oh, it can't be avoided. Just going to postpone it. And then it's going to add up, right? You're mad at somebody. Oh, I'm going to let that slide. Mad at them. going to let that slide. All of a sudden, mad at them. Blue. And not only did you not let it slide, because it comes out when you're mad at them the third time. One and two comes out when you're mad the third time. And now you explode it. Correct? It's crazy, man. I almost use a basketball example all the time. Call your fouls when you're fouled. Right? Ain't nothing worse than the dude in the fourth quarter that all of a sudden he fouls you and you be like, foul. He be like, man, I ain't called that all game. You've been fouling me all game, man. And you're like, call your fouls when you get fouled. You can't wait to the end and you be like, oh, dog, oh, oh, because war can't be avoided. Just postpone, right? Sooner or later, the other side going to get right. The other side going to say something. Then you're going to be sitting there harboring all these emotions and feelings that you should have let go every single step of the way. My boys always laugh at me how my wife and I communicate because we don't let anything slide because we don't want it to fester. We ain't got time to be mad at you for a week ago. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, in that moment, we call our fouls when we get fouled. So remember this in life, no matter what you're going through. And that doesn't mean be petty. And that doesn't mean stop down every single second. Hey, you know what you just did there? You see that raisin on the floor? Go get it, damn it. I'm not doing that. I'm saying just know that's a little battle. Know that the war can't be avoided. Just postpone. All right, that's going to do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today! You want to keep the conversation going? I know you do. Let's talk. Find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley. That's right. More to it is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, That Dude Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcellus Wiley. That's me, that dude. Paul Anderson and Nick Panella. Ah, Marcellus Wiley. Thanks for listening. Thanks for those reviews. Keep them coming, man. I read every single one of them reviews. All what I got. 182 of them. <laughs> Something crazy. Um, I love y'all, man. There's more coming from more to it. Talk to you hella soon. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter. And guess what? The wait is finally over. Season four of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right. No co-host to rein me in. Just me, myself, and the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nazi V2 was a rocket-powered bomb travelling faster than the speed of sound. You couldn't hear it coming. A technological miracle, but a military and economic disaster for Nazi Germany. How did the V2 come into existence, and why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? Join me, Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, for my gripping mini-series on the V2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.